0: Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. How Do I Know You to Be a Mason by George E. Well Freemasonry is often thought by the uninitiated and misinformed to be a secret study occupying the minds of elitists. But the secret study or secrets of Freemasonry aren't the typical kind in which information is revealed but to the few. Freemasonry, rightly so, has perplexed outsiders throughout the ages. Our craft's arcane symbols and mystical doctrines have seemed impenetrable at times. The rituals, customs, laws, and activities of our honored order is one that is stingy. It is only revealed to those who are ready to receive such a gift— If a person holds on tightly to the ideas and beliefs that he currently has, it's usually impossible to let new ones in. But the biblical view, first do and then understand, is a useful approach. In Freemasonry, students have found that by participating in a little study and some ritual observance, that the doors begin to slightly open and true learning can take place. Like the Kabbalah, which means to receive, Freemasonry is an art that cannot be read in any book and fully understood or captured by internet mystics that self-proclaim themselves to be experts in all things Masonic. Our order allows each man to begin with a step, followed by another step, followed by another, and so on. We are traveling through that level of time, searching for further light and exploring the arts and sciences of Freemasonry. Our order proclaims the fact that there exists a higher and more secret path of life than that which we normally tread. When the outer or profane world and its pursuits and rewards lose their attractiveness and prove insufficient to our deeper needs, as sooner or later they will, we are compelled to turn back within ourselves, to seek and knock at the door of a world within. Is Freemasonry that world which answers that knock? I say that for every Mason it is not. There are Masons who have not recognized fully that path of self-perfection and do not care or dare to follow it. Is it beyond our reach, or are the thoughts of pursuing this path one that are most not ready to travel? But we are ordinary men of the world, sufficiently occupied already with our primary civic, social, and family obligations, and following the obvious normal path of natural life. Our order is a philosophy that incorporates its wisdom into each mason's life and provides us with tools to receive clues to a further light. It promises light, charts the way, and indicates the qualifications and conditions of progress. However, let's be clear, this enlightenment is not to be acquired by the formal passage through three degrees in as many months. It is a knowledge impossible of full achievement until knowledge is granted through self-study, self-reflection, and self-improvement. To state things briefly, Masonry offers us, in dramatic form and by means of dramatic ceremonies, a philosophy of the spiritual life of man and a diagram of the process of regeneration. The very essence of Masonic philosophy is that all men in this world are in search of something in their own nature which they have lost, but that with proper instruction, and by their own patience and industry, they may hope to find. No one can communicate the deeper things in our craft to another. Every man must discover and learn them for himself, although a friend or brother may be able to conduct him a certain distance on the path of understanding. Perhaps it should be emphasized by our leaders that to meet in our lodges regularly, to perform our ceremonial work, to repeat our catechism night after night, is not the be-all and end-all of the Masonic tapestry that many members sign up for. Sadly, it remains almost entirely outside the consciousness of many of our members that this is not the case. How do I know you to be a Mason? Is it the apron you wear? Is it the ring and different pins and hats that announce who you are and what you are a member of? Or is it your idea of being merely connected with a body, which seems to be something combining the natures of a club and a benefit society? I submit to all Masons that it is far more than all these things. The definition of what a Mason is is difficult to put into words. The shape and richness of our craft cannot be diluted, and its relevance to society as a whole cannot be discounted by the mere essence of going through the motions. What will our legacy be to the next generation of Masons, assuming there is another generation of Masons? It almost goes without saying that we are the future builders of these living essays that enter our order. It is up to all of us to continue in our own personal ways to elevate the craft and make it successful. The elements of leadership, management, active participation, and idea building cannot be overlooked in the forward evolution of our order. To close our eyes to new ideas and changes in our thoughts in the Masonic arts and sciences is similar to condemning our order to walk in the path of the dodo and fade quickly into the shadows of of obscurity. And that was from the Arizona Freemason, January-February, 2012. So this podcast is going to focus on stories from brethren that I know, or at least am acquainted with, of when they were traveling and they came across another Brother Mason. And maybe how did that introduction go? How did they find out that person was a Mason? And so forth. So I'm going to go right into the first one, which is Brother John McCarger, who currently is the junior warden at Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge, which is my home lodge with the best number in masonry, Solomon Staircase Lodge, number 357. So John's story is brief. A lot of these are given to me by text, but uh, still, I figured it'd be kind of fun to share some of these stories. So John's story goes, In New York City on a business trip many years ago, and was a newly made master mason. I had walked for a while on the way back to my hotel, and had stopped to sit on a bench at an intersection, and turned out the older guy next to me was a mason. He, too, was taking a breather. We talked about the craft and the city and what lodge we were from and what matters in the world. He gave me his business card and told me if I needed any help to call him. He invited me to dinner with his wife, but I couldn't go, so I thanked him. I kept his card for a long time. I should have sent him a thank you note, but I was young, didn't think of it. Years later, I know why he meant what he said. So thank you, Brother McCarger. You're first up for this podcast. So this next story is from one of our fellow crafts, who is actually going to be getting raised to the sublime degree of Master Mason later this month. I would love to be there to perform that, but since I've moved to Mason, my uh, senior warden is going to be taking over, who is a three-time past master, so I think he'll do all right. So Fabian's story. So it's Friday, June 25th. I decided to take the off from work since I've been working so hard. I wanted to spend some time with my kids so we drove up to Solvang, California, a quaint little Danish town in Santa Barbara County. As soon as we arrive in Solvang, we begin to do what most tourists do. We immediately started going into the little shops and of course began tasting all the local desserts. One dessert that Solvang is known for is Abelskiver. They're like little pancake balls grizzled with raspberry sauce and white powdered sugar and you can get it with two scoops of vanilla ice cream right on top. Pretty amazing. We came across the famous Solvang restaurant that was featured in the movie Sideways with Paul Giamatti. I happen to be a big fan of Paul Giamatti. So out of all the places, I say let's have dessert here. It just so happened that they sat us at the exact table Paul Giamatti sat at in the movie. I was thrilled. But with all honesty, what thrilled me the most is what happened next. It wasn't until we were almost ready to leave that I noticed that the gentleman sitting in the booth across from me I happened to look over to him and noticed a bright, shiny ring on his left hand on his pinky finger, to be precise. I tried to get a closer look. I thought to myself, could it be what I think it is? In that moment, I hear the man tell his wife, well, we better get going. I figured it was now or never. I needed to know if that was a square and compass on his ring. So needless to say, I engaged. Questions were asked and answers returned. After a few seconds, I realized I was sitting next to a brother all along. I was overwhelmed with excitement especially since his lodge is in the same district as mine, close to home. Needless to say, we embraced and took a picture together before we departed ways. My daughter noticed how excited I was and immediately brought it to my attention the way most young girls do, by giggling and teasing. But at that moment, my daughter realized that her dad wasn't part of just some club or lodge. It was deeper. It was a brotherhood, where we have brothers all over the globe. And then he shared a great picture of him and brother Bill Griganti, the junior deacon of Yorba Linda Lodge. Great story, Fabian. So for my story, I actually have a few. i got to determine whether I want to share more than one or just stick with one. I haven't been a mason anywhere near as long as John McCarger, but uh, Fabian, as I mentioned, is a fellow craft getting raised this month. So my first story is I was a fellow craft myself, and my wife and I had taken a vacation to Egypt so we flew to Cairo and then we did a cruise down the Nile and then hit all the big tourist spots in Egypt. And it was one day when we were on the cruise ship that my wife pointed to me that a gentleman had a, a football jersey on that said Mason on the back of it. And she said, look, look, there's a Mason. And I said, he's probably a football player and that's probably just his last name. Now, my wife is one of those people that will go up and talk to anybody. I'm not. I tend to be very uh, subdued. So anyways, I'm like, nah, 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 it's probably just the guy's last name. I'm not going to go bug him. You know, he's on vacation. I'm going to leave him alone. So the next day, I see that gentleman again, and he's got a Shriner shirt on. So of course, at this point, I say, this is a Brother Mason. So I went up and introduced myself. And initially, as I came walking up, he kind of looked a little annoyed. So I don't know if he was a football player or not, but he looked a little annoyed. And then as soon as I said, hey, brother, he got a big smile on his face grabbed me in a big bear hug. And that was it. The rest of the cruise, the rest of the vacation, him and I were buddies. Um, I mean, we we chatted every time we saw each other and always tried to kind of compare notes. Uh, We were in two different tour groups. So on the same main cruise, but it was split into two groups. But still, it was great. I, like I said, I, unfortunately, as John said in his, I was young, I didn't, you know, younger, I didn't get the guy's name and address and everything, but you know what, for at least the part of that cruise, I had a brother to hang out with. So the next story I wanna share is a little different and that it's not me traveling. So our lodge has, has won, yeah, I think two or three years, we won best social media, Uh, We won best trestle board, you know, we've won several different accolades from the Grand Lodge, and at one point uh, we were getting ready to have a stated meeting and a gentleman came walking up into the parking lot and he's got a tuxedo on and he has full regalia. He's got his apron, he's got a sash, he's got all kinds of stuff. And so we kind of look at him like, hmm, this is interesting. So as soon as we start talking to him, find out he's from Australia and so we're sitting there chatting, and I just happened to say, so that's kind of interesting. Where are you from in Australia? Oh, Melbourne. I go, huh, my company, our, our parent company is based out of Melbourne. And I said, have you ever heard of Aurora? And he looked at me and he goes, well, that's where I work. And I kind of said, what? He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm here on a project from the corporate headquarters in Australia. He goes, yeah, I'm working down at the, you know, the uh, US headquarters down the street and so it was just amazing so all of a sudden at that point I realized this guy works from the same company he's just in a different office as me but the same company so boy from that point on during his entire project he came and visited us as often as he could and uh, since then he doesn't work for the company anymore but we still keep in touch and we started a project and I actually need to follow up with him to see how it was or how it came out, uh, to be sister lodges so that Solomon's Staircase in Buena Park, California would be the sister lodge to his lodge in Australia. So we've written all the letters and everything. Um, I do need to follow up with him on that. He's a great guy. I still keep in touch with him via Facebook. And if I ever do get down to Australia, I guarantee I will be looking him up and spending some time with him. So seeing as how I'm the one who actually records this podcast, and with input from the lodge and other people, I'm gonna go ahead and take another shot and uh, tell one more story, which I just thought of and was uh, pretty hilarious. So I had just switched positions at work and I went from being a purchasing person based out of our corporate headquarters back to my old position, which is a quality manager, but my, my territory was the Northwest region. So I have from Paso Robles all the way up the coast into Seattle and Portland, uh, over to Reno. And with that comes a lot of what we call strategic accounts. So these are huge customers um, with businesses all over the world. So I had barely even been in the role and one of the sales reps reached out to me and he said, Hey, we need to go out to visit this this vendor of ours because one of our customers is going to audit them and we need to be there as well. And I said, okay, well, when is it? He said, "Um, Monday morning, this is on Friday. And I said, okay, Monday morning, um, where is it? He said, it's in Philadelphia. Actually it's in Tamaqua, but you gotta fly into Philadelphia. I said, okay, well, this'll be interesting. So I called my boss and said, hey, this is what's going on. He said, all right, book it. So I had to book a red-eye flight, landed in Philadelphia at about five in the morning, drove for about two hours to Tamaqua, met the customer there and had a meeting. And at one point we were sitting there and I was noticing that the sales rep for the vendor had a ring on that looked kind of familiar. And so, but he didn't really have his hands in a place where I could get a good view of him. So I finally just asked him, I said, hey, what kind of ring is that? And he said, oh, it's a Masonic ring. And I said, "You're kidding me!" I said, "I'm a Mason too," and he says, "Yeah." And he goes, "I'm a, actually a member of your Belinda Lodge." And I went, "What?" I go, "You're from California?" He goes, "Yeah. I just met you guys out here for this uh, this meeting, but actually, you know, I'm the West Coast sales rep. That's where I'm based out of." And he says, "Yeah, I'm a member of your Belinda Lodge." And so, boy, that was it. I mean, all that afternoon, every time we'd get a chance to talk, we did. We ended up going out to dinner that night. And to this day, him and I still keep in touch. So, Tony Suga, if you're out there listening, that's you, my brother. So, thank you for all the times and fun we've had. And I'm sure there'll be much more to come in the future as we continue doing business together.